we the people of the United States. Four score and seven years ago. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. Tear down this wall. A date which will live in infamy. Read my lips. I'm Lynn Harris and welcome to Civic Symphony. In this episode, we're going to analyze the push by many states to legalize marijuana. But before we actually get into the, the meat of that discussion, we need to have a little bit of a legal background when it comes to how the federal government deals with states. Typically, the federal government on certain issues allows the states to decide how to handle that issue. Um, and this is what the founders wanted. They didn't want a lot of federal overreach when it when it came to the day to day running of the states. Um, so l- let's look at a couple examples. Uh, first of all, marriage. The federal government does not really get into uh, marriages in terms of how the state documents them, uh, how the state handles the the different ages you can get married. Um, that that's really not a federal concern. Now. They, they do get involved when it's an overarching uh, issue of, of marriage. For, for example, and this also fell into religion, but polygamy uh, by the Mormons in Utah, that they felt like they had to get involved. But again, the day-to-day uh, giving out of marriage licenses, the, the federal government really, like I said, they won't get into that. Uh, and this is reflected in the culture of the different states and the laws. As I pointed out a long time ago, Laws are only a reflection of the society that that they are governing. So, for example, in marriage, certain states will allow marriage at 16 with parent permission. Others, other states, it has to be 18. Um, some states, and you will find this in the colonial states, the 13 original states, uh, they'll allow marriage at 14 because that was considered an adult during that time period. Another interesting little uh, tidbit here is the states really don't talk to each other a lot about marriages. Now, because of good faith and credit, they'll, they'll recognize different marriages. Uh, but, but we did a, a, an episode a while back talking about proxy weddings where someone can stand in for someone else. But again, that only applies in four states. And the federal government won't get into that. that that's, that's a concern of those four states. Another good example of this is education. Um, it's not the job of the federal government to decide how they educate, a state educates uh, an individual. Now, when it comes to, again, major issues, for example, segregation, uh, Title IX, busing, then the federal government will get into that stuff. But whether whether a school, or I'm sorry, whether a state tells a school they have to be there 187 days or 171 days, or students have to take you know, the state history of Virginia or or whatever that day-to-day, year-to-year requirements are, the federal government doesn't get into that. And again, this is what the founders wanted. They didn't want a lot of overreach when it came to the day-to-day functioning of each state. Okay, so what does that have to do with marijuana? Well, slowly marijuana is becoming a state-by-state issue. Um, and, and the reason has to go to a 2013 memo that was sent out by Barack Obama. We'll get to that in a minute. But but let's look at some of the background of marijuana and its its criminalization and why it occurred and how it's being handled today. Now, just to make sure we start out with this, marijuana under the Controlled Substance Act 
Title 29, Section 811 is illegal. You can't grow it, you can't sell it, and you can't use it. That is a federal violation of law. We will explain how states get away with that very shortly. But the, the criminalization of marijuana actually starts in 1937 in the Roosevelt administration. Now, historically, there was a, a belief at that time that marijuana was one of the causes of the Great Depression, that it, it, a lot of economists were looking around and going, okay, why, why are we not getting out of this? And there was a thought that people that were using marijuana weren't as focused, weren't working hard, had gotten this attitude of, of you know, that there really isn't that requirement in society. And so it was decided that one of the problems that could be eliminated was people using marijuana, so it was made illegal. And again, it's illegal today. So how do we get to where we are? Well, it starts, believe it or not, in California in 1996. Now, there had been some pushes in the 70s to, to decriminalize it, but California is the first state in 1996 to make the leap of legalizing marijuana. Now, the, the catch is this. The, it, it wasn't recreational marijuana. It was medicinal, I'm sorry, medicinal marijuana. And the thought process behind that was there were other drugs that were being used, controlled substances, obviously, for pain. So why couldn't you legalize marijuana as medicinal? In other words, doctors could write it, a uh, prescription for it, people that had glaucoma, cancer, that type of stuff. Because again, the idea was it's no different than other controlled substances. Federal government didn't really react to that. They kind of let California go because of the whole medicinal angle. So two years later, Washington, Oregon, and Alaska saw, decide, well, if California is going to do that, then we're going to legalize it, but only for medicinal purposes. Okay. Then in 2000, Hawaii comes along and they are the first state to legalize medical cannabis and they did it through the state legislature. This was where they voted it in and now you had a, a fifth state, that, but they defined it as, as medical. The big switch occurs in 2012 um, when the state of Washington and Colorado legalized recreational marijuana. Now, again, you, these are two states that have violated federal law. This was no longer medicinal. This was no longer that track of, oh, we're using, doctors are using it as a controlled substance for pain. This is, hey, you can grow it and you can sell it and you can use it. Okay, so why wasn't anything done? Why are we where we at today? Well, this goes back to the Obama administration. Now, Barack Obama kind of viewed marijuana as alcohol, that you give any definition of alcohol, what was going on with alcohol, you know, 21 years of age to use it, people getting addicted. It had been in society for a long time. And so he viewed, and you'll hear some of his, his speeches where he didn't come out and say it that way, but there was a lot of movement in the administration that, look, marijuana is no different than, than alcohol. So after the, the Oregon and Washington, I'm sorry, Colorado and Washington allow for recreational marijuana, the Obama administration, through the Department of Justice, sent out a memo. And the memo basically said this, that the Department of Justice, even though it's federal, would not interfere with any state that had legalized marijuana, either medically or recreationally. They simply were not going to prosecute it. We're going to be hands-off. 
let the states decide what to do here. Again, there's no change in the federal law here. There's a change in the attitude toward the law. Now, there's an old legal saying, uh, if, if you don't enforce it, it's not a law. And that's kind of what happened here. The, the Barack Obama and his administration said, we're not going to enforce the federal law. Okay, then the states went, if you're not going to enforce it, then we're going to do what we want. And again, once you give that power to the state, you begin to see a reflection of the different cultures of the states. That certain states were fine with marijuana, other states are still not fine with it. Now, that's going to bring up a problem, which is where I think this is all going to end unless you have federal a change in federal uh, legislation. The, the, the problem's going to be how the states look at each other. But that's how we get to today, where you have 18 states in the District of Columbia that now allow for either medical or recreational uh, marijuana. Now, as I said, Barack Obama was the president that, that through the Department of Justice said, we're not going to enforce the law. Uh, Joe Biden has said he's not going to enforce the law. So you're going to have more states, i.e. Connecticut, New York, that are going to start to legalize marijuana. Here is what Barack Obama said about that when he was asked. At a certain point, if enough states uh, end up um, decriminalizing, uh, then Congress may then you know, reschedule uh, marijuana. Mm. Um, but I always say to folks, you know, uh, legalization or decriminalization is not a panacea. Do you feel the same way about meth? Mm -hmm. Do we feel the same way about coke? Uh, how about crack? How about heroin? And, and there is a legitimate, I think, concern about the overall effects this has on society and, and particularly vulnerable parts of our society. Substance abuse generally, legal and illegal substances, uh, is a problem. Locking somebody up for 20 years is probably not the best strategy. Uh, and that's something that we have to re uh, rethink uh, as a society as a whole. Now, if you notice, one of the things that Barack Obama points out is that this is not a cure-all for state finances. That that if you legalize marijuana, that yes, in Colorado proved this, you're going to make a lot of money off it in terms of taxing it, but you're also going to bring in some other problems. And this is what Amsterdam found out. Now, again, the modern or the the the, the present administration has the same approach that Barack Obama did uh, for obvious reasons. Joe Biden was vice president. Kamala Harris in her book, uh, The Truth We Hold in American Journey, uh, said that, but, quote, something else, it's past time we get done, is dismantling the failed war on drugs, starting with legalizing marijuana. So so what, and, and again, Barack Obama talks about this. What what we need to do is, is get away from the idea that we're just going to make the penalty for doing marijuana really strict because what is that what that has caused in the modern day society is an overloading of prisons for something that that in in the view of his administration the modern administration that is not that serious an offense so where does this lead well First of all, one of the reasons states are doing this, and, and we'll talk about this a little later, is just simple financial. Uh, again, once states saw what Colorado had done, then they went, well, there's a lot of money we can get. Um, you, can, you can take that money and, ironically, the infrastructure, build bridges. Uh, you can actually build schools. 
Um, you can you can fund different uh, government uh, needs. So that is the major emphasis behind. It. Okay. H here's the problem, and this is where I think it's going to end up. You can't have part of the states legalize it and part of them that don't. It, it's not like you can buy marijuana in Illinois and when it gets to the Indiana border, it dissolves. Um, you know, so you can't have this kind of relationship. So the answer is going to be this, that the states are going to sue each other. And if you don't know when states sue each other, it ends up at the Supreme Court because only the Supreme Court can decide fights between states. That's where I think this is going unless Congress changes the legislation. So we're going to take a quick break. While in break, we talked about this, uh, the, that marijuana was seen as an evil in 1936. And then in 37, it's outlawed. There was a movie made at that time called Reefer Madness. And while we're in break, we're going to play a little clip of that movie. We're going to come back and we'll talk about some of the pros and cons of legalizing marijuana and the different approaches that states have taken. We'll be back. These high school boys and girls are having a hop at the local soda fountain. Innocently, they dance. Innocent of a new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. In this film, you will see the ease with which this vicious plant can be grown in your neighbor's yard, rolled into harmless-looking cigarettes, hidden in an innocent shoe or watch case. In this startling film, you will see dopesters lure children to destruction. We're going over to Joe's place. Why don't you come along? We have a date to play a set of doubles. Oh, you can play anytime. Come on, we'll have some laughs. Can I go along with you? Sure. Hey, I'll see you at dinner, sis. If you want a good smoke, try one of these. You will meet Bill, who once took pride in his strong will as he takes the first step toward enslavement. So let's look at some of the pros and cons that are argued for legalizing marijuana. Obviously, the first big pro is just simply money for the state. And, and this would come through taxes. If, if you're going to be selling a lot of the product and taxing the product, then the state is going to make a lot of money off of it. Now, in a minute, we'll, we'll talk about the flip of that argument. But basically, Colorado proved this over years and years and years of, of looking at it. And the money they brought in encouraged other states to to do that. Uh, to, I'm sorry, to legalize it. Uh, secondly, it does create a lot of jobs because um, obviously if you're going to grow it, people have to grow it. If you're going to have shops, the people have to work the shops. So it encourages job growth. And again, that leads to a much stronger economy because those people are going to pay taxes. And, and so it's one of those twofold items of taxes up front and then taxes uh, on the backside in terms of people having jobs and paying uh, uh, income tax. Now, one of the theories that's pushed out is that it will lower street crime because you are eliminating uh, drug cartels. You're, you're eliminating uh, one of the products that drug cartels are able to push. Uh, marijuana is seen as a pretty easy product to push. It's in cocaine, it's in heroin. So, and the stigma around 
uh, marijuana is is not like it is around uh, coke and crack and that, those type of things. So uh, the theory is that that crime will go down, and obviously uh, police arresting people for growing and using marijuana that will go down. Um, but again, there's a flip side of that we'll get to in a minute. And and one of the arguments that has come up is it's, it's safer than alcohol. Uh, now, th- this if if you have used mar- or, I'm sorry marijuana and you're driving, that that is no different than alcohol. But but the people that have studied this will tell you that overall, um, marijuana's usage is safer than than alcohol. Okay, um, now let's look at some cons that have been argued. Um, the first one is that you will have an increased use by teens. That if you legalize it, which makes it more accessible to people, um, it, it, it's much more difficult to uh, to regulate or control uh, teenagers getting hold of marijuana. And and this has been argued for cigarettes for years that it's fine to say, okay, you have to be 18 or now 21. But obviously, there's people that go in. And they will buy cigarettes for people that can't get them. For example, bigger brother buys cigarettes for little brother. Dad buys cigarettes for son. And so this will just open up that window for for it's, for people to buy uh, marijuana for for teenagers. That and in, in fact, you can argue there'd be a, a black market, a separate black market there. Um, again, that's against the law, but but it's we know as a society it goes on. So. Um, but one of the arguments is that it it will increase the amount of marijuana being used by teens. I'm sorry, by teens. Now, this one of the flip sides to uh, adding money to the economy is that the argument is you will have more medical emergencies. This is the Amsterdam study, which basically said that yeah, you're you're going to have less people being arrested. And and you're going to produce more money in the economy. However, the, the, the what you give up is the fact that you got more medical emergencies. Therefore, you're spending the money that that you would be saving from from not legis or not arresting people. Uh, you're spending that money in hospitalization and medical emergencies and that type of thing. And again, we've talked about this. That whenever you make one choice in a society, there's always going to be the opposite, and and that's what people that are against legalized marijuana will point to. Um, the, the other thing they say is it's fine to say, oh, you're going to make all this money. But when you study it, you really don't make that much money, again, because uh, you're going to use a lot of medical services. And the revenue dies off over time. Now, whether that's been proven or not is an argument. But but the, the idea is here, you're not truly, it's sold as this, oh, we're going to make money and we're going to solve a lot of problems. And, and people study will tell you that's just simply not what happens. And then finally, um, you're going to increase the addiction rate, which means you're going to have to have more addiction centers. You're going to have to more, have more um, clinics that treat addiction. Um, and so that side of it does not balance out the, the amount of money you're going to make. So luckily for people that argue back and forth, we have had time now to, to study this. Again, uh, Washington and Colorado legalized this in 2012. So basically we have almost 10 years of study now. However, you got some uh, results that are disputed between the states that actually legalize it. Now, again, some of that's culture. Some of that is the makeup of the state. And again, that's why the federal government doesn't like to get into 
uh, telling the state what to do. But but let's look at some of the results that have been that have been published, and we can talk a little bit about about those. So Washington State University, uh, they've studied this, and again, they've had a lot of time to to study it since it was legalized. Um, what they found out is that teen use of marijuana has actually gone down since that state legalized it. Now, one of the theories behind this is it's no longer this forbidden taboo uh, thing, and then and then we know in society it's been you know it's been studied by by psychologists and and uh, sociologists that will tell you that part of the draw of of whatever the tobacco alcohol is is the fact that it's it's like this forbidden taboo, and so pe- people in Washington said look, look that when once you legalized it and and not made it this taboo made it a part of society that the teen use of it went down. Um, but again, you still have to put an age limit on it. But but what they've seen is that, that there isn't this, this big push that they thought there would be among teenagers. Colorado reported that, uh, that, that overall they had, they had a 12% drop in teen usage. Now, here's some interesting things that Colorado found out, which, which really stunned people that, that had studied this. The first assumption was that you you know the major age group would be 21 to 35 that male that that little social uh, economic group that it's the same group that they they target for uh, alcohol commercials and and trucks and that that whole uh, again that age group that wasn't true and we'll we'll talk about who is who is the major user of marijuana in Colorado. Secondly, it was not smoked, which was always thought to be what would occur. Okay, so what what really happened? Well, number one, it is the elderly that are the most frequent users of of marijuana in Colorado, um, usually for pain. And it's not smoked, but it is it is edible. They put it in crackers and cookies and old grandma's uh, magic brownies and that type of stuff. So, uh, but that set up a whole different. Uh, issue they had to deal with, which was not, uh, or the labels for the kind of, of stuff that, that, again, the cookies and the were not labeled correctly. And so early on, you had some people that were ingesting it that had not meant to. Uh, there was some candy that kids got a hold of. So that had to be uh, taken care of. And, and, and again, it's kind of like tobacco warning this can cause uh, uh, cancer. It it, there was a warning on it all of a sudden that, you know, this product contains marijuana and, and, and so please keep it away from kids and, and that type of stuff. But it, it actually kind of amazed uh, the people that studied this, that it was not the younger group smoking it, but it was the older group eating it. And, and that was one of the things they learned about Colorado. And again, you know, you have an elderly population, I'm sorry, elderly population that has money. And so that uh, led to this, uh, change in what sociologists had thought would occur. Now, the flip side is Alaska. Uh, they, they, what they concluded was 18% of all teens were using marijuana, which is higher than the national norm, which is around 12.4% or whatever you want to, it depends on what, what you read. Um, but, but so you have another state here that is reporting a higher use of, of teen uh, marijuana. I'm sorry, higher use of marijuana by teens. Uh, now, you can argue it's a different climate than Colorado. It, it's darker in the winter. I mean, you can argue a lot of stuff. And as we said, laws reflect culture and results reflect culture. Um, so, th- but that that's kind of the flip side of what Colorado was experiencing. 
Now, the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with their report and said, look, we, we got four, uh, four things that worry us about this. One, that uh, our studies show that marijuana uh, impairs short-term memory. So you're dealing, again, with teenagers that, that are starting to use marijuana. Two, um, it decreases problem-solving ability. Three, that judgment is altered. And four, because of all that, students perform worse in school. So their, their major concern, obviously, is how this affects teenagers that, that use on a constant basis. And so what they're worried about, again, this is always the argument, is the, the medical side of this, not the financial side of this. Okay. Um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to look at how Amsterdam and Canada have handled um, the marijuana legalization. By the way, Amsterdam, only the city uh, has legal marijuana, not not the country of the Netherlands. The only two countries that have, have legalized marijuana are, believe it or not, uh, Canada and Uruguay. We'll be back. If you have a question about a subject or a comment about a segment we did, or you just like to give a suggestion for future episodes, feel free to contact us at civicsymphony at gmail.com. Civicsymphony at gmail.com. From the halls of Congress to the smallest state house, covering it all, this is Civic Symphony. So if the United States is going to actually federally legalize marijuana, you could probably look to the north and get a good idea of how to do this. Uh, Canada legalized marijuana, but they kind of rolled it out and, and they did it uh, by allowing the provinces to decide for themselves how to do it. Um, so, but, but this is how the Canadian government actually started their campaign for we have now legalized marijuana, but here are some things to look for before you use it. Edible cannabis, cannabis extracts, and cannabis topicals are now legal in Canada for adults to purchase. However, it will take time before these new cannabis products become available for purchase. Here's what you need to know about these new products, including ways you can lower the risks to your health if you choose to consume cannabis. Start with a low level of THC, for example, 2.5 milligrams or less in cannabis products that you eat or drink. Compared to inhaling cannabis, it can take longer to feel the effects of cannabis that you eat or drink, up to two hours to begin to feel the effects, and up to four hours to feel the full effects. So here is what Canada did after they had legalized it on the federal level. They basically turned it over to the provinces to enact uh, on in each every or I'm sorry in each province the the law, how they would legislate it, uh, how they would distribute it. This is kind of what the United States is doing. Uh, they're just not doing it on purpose, like like Canada did. So let's look at some of the ways it was implemented. 
And again, this was done province by province. So we're going to start with the biggest province for those of you that don't do geography. That, that's Ontario. Um, it allowed for privately run stores to open in April of 2019. Um, so, so that was their idea. Um, we're going to we're going to let privately run stores sell it. The Saskatchewan uh, allowed for 51 privately run store uh, stores after it was legalized. Now. Uh, Quebec, and I know we have listeners in Quebec, and I'm going to apologize now for all the times I've butchered up French. Uh, I didn't take French in high school. I took Spanish. But anyway, Quebec is kind of unique in this way. They they allowed uh, government uh, dispensaries. Um, they have really never released or given a lot of, of okay to private ones, um, and, and therefore it has one of the, the lower amount of cannabis stores per capita. But again, this is because they let the, the government run early on uh, how it was distributed. So you have different ideas of, of how it was rolled out in Canada. But again, it's a great example of how to do it. And they've had a lot of success with it. And so I think if the United States is going to look anywhere, look to the north. Uh, again, Canada and the United States have always been great neighbors. Um, look to the north and take the good parts of what they did. And again, the United States are already doing it. They just didn't plan it. Um, but but when you let each state handle it, you're again, you're reflecting the culture. Quebec's culture is not the culture of Saskatchewan, and that's not the culture of Ontario. And so um, I think that's where the United States needs to look in terms of uh, regulating it. Now, the other thing Canada did, and you kind of heard this in the commercial, is how they actually rolled it out. The first day, they only had oils and seeds and flowers and plants available. And then after that was done, they slowly started to in, in, you know, change how they were doing it and distributing it. But, but like I said, Canada did a great job with it. And I think that's where the United States needs to look if they legalize it. Now, uh, let's talk about Amsterdam. First of all, Amsterdam, the city, is not the Netherlands. So marijuana is legal in Amsterdam. But that's about to change. Um, during the pandemic, there was a push to kind of not allow uh, foreigners to come into Amsterdam and actually visit the coffee shops and, and, and buy uh, marijuana because a lot of the local inhabitants had had enough of it, that, that Amsterdam was getting a bad name, that they were one time known for art and culture. And now they're basically around, known around the world for their, their selling of, of marijuana. So there's a push uh, within the government there with, to, to eliminate the sale of foreigners, the sale, I'm sorry, marijuana to foreigners. Um, and what's interesting is uh, Mar uh, Amsterdam never okayed the growing <laughs> of plants, which is what this uh, store owner complained about. The politicians, they forgot to, to organize one aspect of it all, that's that we buy the weed in a normal way. So in Holland it's illegal to buy weed in a, in a, on a large scale and it's illegal to produce uh, cannabis also. In America what you see is a little bit the opposite side. So what they have organized really well is the production of weed. So basically what he's saying is that Americans have already figured out uh, how to grow marijuana, how to distribute marijuana. Uh, they're now at the point of just figuring out the whole usage of marijuana in terms of is it going to come out in oils? Is it going to come out in food? And like I said, uh, the states are looking to each other in terms of how to, how to do this. Um, and you're, I think you're going to see more and more states 
legalize it, but as a country, you can't function this way. You, you can't have 18 states doing one thing and the other 32 uh, doing something else. That, that simply is not going to work on this big of an issue. So I really believe it's going to end up at the Supreme Court. I don't think it will be legislated anytime soon because Congress is so divided. So I think the Supreme Court will have to, to get a case where they will have to decide, is it legal? Is it not legal? Now, the interesting question is this. If, let's say, Utah has sued Colorado and the Supreme Court decides not to hear the case, then, then you're going to have something interesting because, as we've talked about before, if, if the Supreme Court doesn't hear a case, then it simply reverts back. Well, that, that would mean you'd have the 18 states that, that are selling it and the 32 that aren't, and I think you'll have a political quagmire until something is worked out. But, but this debate about legalizing marijuana, not legalizing marijuana, it, it's not going to go away anytime soon simply because of the financial uh, impact of it, but also because of the cultural impact that this kind of legislation carries with it. For our weird law today, we're going to head to the island of Hawaii, where it is illegal to get a tattoo behind your ear or on your eyelid unless in the presence of a registered physician. Now, obviously, this is a health law. But more importantly, I cannot imagine the pain that you would have by putting a, tat a tattoo on your eyelid. And I'm not sure the point of that, unless you're going to tattoo an eye on each eyelid, so then when you fall asleep, nobody could tell the difference. That's going to wrap up this episode of Civic Symphony. Hopefully you learned a little bit more about the debate of legalization of marijuana, how it occurred, and where the states are heading in terms of this legislation. Before we go, we have a bunch of people to thank for this episode. First of all, Shane Ivers did Victory of Heroes. You can find him at Silverman Sound Studio, which is located at silvermansound.com. We need to thank the Canadian government for the use of their promotional ad. We need to thank Vice News for the interview with Barack Obama. We need to also thank Procon.org for their uh, information concerning recreational marijuana. And as we've always done, we need to thank Freesound.com for the song Time Fly. Hopefully you'll join us on our next episode. And as we always remind you, democracy only works when your voice is heard. So make sure you do that. Thanks for listening.